1: Bring in show music, please.
0: This is Squawk Pod, the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind Squawk Box.
2: NYC, this is CNBC Control 2.
0: CNBC's essential morning show. PCR two. Every day, get the best stories, debate, and analysis from the biggest names in business and politics.
1: All right, we're coming to it next.
0: Today, Microsoft's big get, Facebook's new news, and Tiffany's It's a Gem. Joe, Becky, and Andrew get you caught up.
3: Did you see it? You didn't see any of this? You have no idea what's was no. was trending on Twitter? I, I missed it.
4: I'm, I'm on a different version of Twitter than you are.
0: HUD Secretary Ben Carson on getting back back in the lending game for lower income borrowers.
4: The major mechanism for building wealth in this country is home ownership
0: and are Democrats still salty about Republican tax reform? New Jersey's Josh Gottheimer:
2: We're paying for all these moocher states, and that's my fundamental
3: problem.
0: And one of the primary authors of the 2017 tax cut, Ways and Means Committee ranking member Kevin Brady:
3: You said you guys weren't going to argue. We're
0: not. We're 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 getting along. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. It's Monday, October 28th, 2019. Squawk Pod begins right now.
1: Stand back, goodbye. In three, two, one, cue, please.
5: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin.
0: First up today on this Monday podcast, Breakfast at Tiffany's. The world's largest luxury brand group, LVMH, is looking to take over 122-year-old American jeweler, Tiffany.
5: Reports say that the luxury goods maker, whose brands include Louis Vuitton, Christian Dior, and Dom Perignon, has offered $120 a share in cash for the upscale jeweler. That would value the company at about $14.5 billion. Tiffany shares this morning, up by 21% on this news, gain of almost $21 to $119.50. LVMH is trading flat at this point.
6: So I spent uh, the night, as you'd imagine, on the phone about this deal. I think what you're going to see, just to to sort of tell the viewers what's going to happen here, over the next week, as you'd imagine, Tiffany is going to go through the, quote, motions, Uh, They will reject this bid. Uh, They look at this bid already. I mean, most of the insiders look at it as too low. If you go back and look at the stock price of this company, just last summer, you were looking at a stock of $136. So I think the big question is going to be in this grand negotiation with the company, with LVMH, that is, does LVMH come back at a higher price? But I think what's going to happen is you're going to see them say they'll explore it because that's what they have to do. Uh, and then uh, after a week or two of theater, they will say talk to the hand, and then we will see whether LVMH really wants to buy this company and how much they would uh, want to buy it for. Of course, they could go through a proxy contest, uh, but that would be something that would go along the sort of uh, much longer lines of having to go through the motions of, of that and um, you're going to the fiscal year for next year, so you'd have to run a proxy consensus against the board members, et cetera, et cetera. But-
5: that stock cratered at the end of the year, as as you saw everything happening, into December 21st was, I think, it's right. low, right around the same time the rest of the market. But it, it came sharply off of some highs. And obviously, uh, trade talks have been a concern for it. Right. It used to be that more travelers here in the United States meant a big deal if, uh, if those travelers would spend a lot of money at Chinese Fifth Avenue. Chinese, Chinese travelers. Right, huh? right. So... So
6: you tell me if LVMH comes back, uh, if LVMH comes back at $140, I think there's a deal. If they come back at a $125, I think it gets more complicated. And let's talk about this other deal that took place over uh, the weekend or happened on Friday. The Pentagon awarding a lucrative contract for its Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure Program, otherwise, excuse me, known as JEDI. Being awarded to Microsoft. Now, as you all know, Amazon had long been considered the favorite for that deal, which uh, could be worth $10 billion over 10 years. More than 5,000 government agencies use Amazon Web Services, which is certified at the highest security clearance level. Uh, but the victory highlights the rise of Microsoft's Azure cloud as a major challenger to AWS. In a statement, Microsoft said, we are proud that we are an integral partner in DOJ's overall mission cloud strategy. Amazon said, we're surprised about this conclusion. AWS is the clear leader in, the cloud compu- in cloud computing. And a detailed assessment purely on the comparative offerings clearly lead to a different conclusion. The bidding process had been quite contentious. In July, President Trump said he was looking at the contract after companies had protested. The president has repeatedly criticized Amazon over taxes and other issues. Uh, in Jim Mattis's book... Uh, the president specifically says to him, How can we get rid of Amazon? Um, and we I think know. he said
5: specifically to screw uh, Amazon.
6: To screw Amazon. Yeah, I mean, it uh, but you, you, you're saying less it. politely than I am, but, but that's exactly what they said. But
5: Mattis also said in that book that forget it, we're not doing that. Right. This is going to be by the book. So. But Mattis is no
6: longer here. Yeah. So. Uh, there may very well be lawsuits about this. There may be depositions about this. There may be all sorts of litigation. So we're going to see. Uh, what happens? it is The, it's the obviously other competitors a big move for had
5: complained when it looked like Amazon was going to be in the lead. The other right. competitors had complained about the process right. too. Um, Microsoft went in to say, went on to say in its statement that they've been working with the Department of Defense right. for 40
6: years, over right. 40 years,
5: on And all Microsoft of things. had
6: come out much more publicly than Amazon, and frankly, uh, well, specifically Google. About wanting to work with the government, yeah. about thinking it had a patriotic duty to do so, right. there were people at Amazon, obviously not on AWS per se, but holding back on other things or protests. If you remember, well, certainly so, at
5: Google, there right. was, a and,
6: and certainly at Google, okay. he, um, he doesn't like the Washington Post.
5: No, he doesn't like the
3: Washington Post. You see Post. the trending uh, after the uh, Baghdadi was killed. You saw the Washington Post headline: austere re- religious leader. That did you see it? You didn't see any of this. You have no idea what it is. No. It was trending on Twitter. How uh, did they the in the obit. They they really refer to him as an austere religious. religious leader who presided, it, it, nothing wow. else in it. So trending on Twitter was Washington Post obits for everyone you can ever imagine who died. <laughs> uh, and it was like in the number two, like for Jeffrey Dahmer, it was a uh, uh, creator of, of um, or of uh, devourer of, of creative cuisine, something like that. And they had, you know, I, I mean, there were... Thousands of fake obits from the Washington Post. You know Stalin. Uh, just like uh, gotta, you should go in and look. I'm going to go, so no. go check it out. Go check it some out. There's some really, right now. there's some really good ones because you can make great ones out of some of the most notorious men in history or men and women in history, and then you.
6: A steer religious scholar at helm of Islamic State dies at 48. Okay.
3: I hear you. <laughs> Over the weekend, Facebook said it removed an ad that falsely claimed that Republican Senator Lindsey Graham supported uh, the Green New Deal. The uh, ad was placed. uh, It was a stunt. I wondered why it would matter or who would believe it. Uh, A a stunt by a left-leaning political action committee to demonstrate that Facebook uh, would fact check ads from political groups, but not politicians. This scenario was raised last week by uh, Representative Ocasio-Cortez during the hearing with Facebook CEO Mark. Zuckerberg.
5: Would I be able to run advertisements on Facebook targeting Republicans in primary saying that they voted for the Green New Deal? I mean, if you're not fact-checking political advertisements, I'm just trying to understand the, the bounds here. What's fair game?
1: I, uh I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. I think... So
5: probably. you don't know if I'll be able to do that?
6: This is the great complication, though, because you have to decide how much you want them to police these ads or not, right? I mean, he effectively, he was separately asked whether you could, you could actually tell the voters the wrong day to vote on. You could actually target a specific audience and say that actually the election, or you could say the location of the election is in the wrong place or something like that. And he said for that, he would correct you. He wouldn't allow that kind of ad to, to run, or he, he would actually run a correction on the ad because he thought that that was too dangerous. The question is: is where's other kind? And this is where's the line? I, I don't and that's understand the fundamental why, question.
5: For, for ads. If you're accepting ads, why aren't you held to the same standards as any broadcaster would be? It seems pretty simple. You don't have to fact check everything that's ever posted on your on your bulletin board aspect of this. But if you're accepting advertising on it, it seems like you could, could and should be held to the level to police those ads.
6: What do you say, Joe? Uh, policed or not? It's, I, it's I
3: caveat, I'm, I mean, they can do what they can. There's a you lot want, of You stuff. can say
5: whatever you want on your Facebook posting, and they can't police that. But if they're accepting money for it, they should probably be held for to some standard should, for that. I mean, it. it's, a, it's advertising.
6: I was l- looking at the Washington. Was a Johnson. But hold on. If it's wrong, whether it's an advertisement or not, does that change anything? Meaning if I, if, if I was running for, for mayor of New York and I started just posting things that were blatantly in- Look, inaccurate. I, I,
5: think, I, I think that's a tougher Situation to try and assess. Right. That's where you can make the claim that you are simply a posting board and that they, these right. things get up. But for anything you're accepting ads for, why aren't you held to the same standard as other broadcasters would, would, right. would naturally be for that? You're accepting advertising, so there is some interaction. You're accepting money.
3: What are you laughing about over there? Big Bad Wolf, lung capacity legend and bacon enthusiast. <laughs> Ed at six. There's some that you really can't repeat uh, on here. I just saw one for for Ted Bundy. That it's, but there they how many are there? There are
6: literally thousands of these. People
5: went on. I'm surprised on Twitter.
6: Too. I I missed it. I'm I'm on a different version of Twitter than you are.
5: And the New York Times reports that Boeing helped to craft a law late last year that undercuts the U.S. government's role in approving the design of new airplanes. The report says that the company and its allies shaped the language of the legislation to their liking, overcoming criticism from regulators, including the FAA.
6: What do you think? By the way, you know, is going to be testifying this week. So, yep. so he's going to be having to, to answer a lot of these questions and so many, of these and so things many other things as well. But the whole idea of self-regulation, which is a huge part of what's happened in the airline industry, is fascinating. And by the way, not just happening, I discovered because I started looking into this over the weekend, not just happening in the United States, a lot of this is because Airbus and what's happening in Europe is following a same similar well, similar approach? Look,
5: I understand the argument that there may not be qualified people in the government to sign off on some of these things, but it, it argues for a change in structure. Right. If Boeing or Airbus is going to pay for it, they should ultimately answer to right. the regulators, not. And you to also had
6: members of the companies. FAA writing letters right. saying this is not the way to do it.
5: Right, right. So, right. And, I, and I think the biggest question in this is even if the government has issues about safety, this gives the manufacturers an upper hand right. in this particular
6: legislation. Exactly. Yeah.
3: And the weekend uh, at the box office, Joker reclaimed the number one spot, 18.9 million in North American ticket sales. It had been pushed out of the top spot last week by Disney's Maleficent, Mistress of the Evil. Joker is now the most successful R-rated movie ever, with a global take of 849 million dollars. You're from Manhattan, uh, and it, there's uh, those stairs in Brooklyn that everyone's going and taking selfies where he. Does some kind of weird, scary? I have not seen this stand, movie. But, it's like but the stairs little, in
5: Georgetown.
6: There's people that are, ara-
3: yeah, exactly The Exorcist. In the Exorcist right. right? You can imagine how many people yes. are taking, uh, yeah. taking shots. So, so far, so good with this scary, sick movie, right? I mean, he's very talented. That that guy's a whack job, but he's. Uh, <laughs> Right?
5: But he's very, very...
3: What's that? Just like you. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. very talented and and a whack tab. I don't know about the talent part, but I'm... uh, The stairs are in the Bronx, not in Brooklyn.
5: Let's go. Move it or lose it.
0: Next on Squawk Pod, Housing and Urban Development Secretary Ben Carson has new hope for low-income homebuyers. We're back after this.
4: What's on the horizon for financial markets?
1: Stand by, Joe, in five seconds.
0: This Four, is Squawk Box.
1: Three, two, one. Is Mike Good
3: morning, and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the Nasdaq Market Site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin, in the Futures Room.
0: About 64 percent of Americans own their own home, and today, lower income potential home buyers may have some more options for getting on that road to ownership thanks to a deal just made between two government departments. First, a little background. The Federal Housing Administration sponsors lending with slightly looser requirements to mortgage seekers who are typically first time low income or have shorter credit histories. But another part of the U.S. government prosecuted so many banks and lending institutions for aggressive lending to consumers who couldn't afford it during the mortgage meltdown of the financial crisis. So most banks just abandoned the FHA loan program. And without the participation of those well-capitalized institutions, the FHA could struggle if there is another economic downturn. Today, the Departments of Justice and Housing and Urban Development announced that they have reached an understanding to change the way they prosecute violations to the law regarding FHA loans. Both departments hope this encourages banks to get off the sidelines and get back in. Ben Carson, the HUD Secretary, shared the details. Ben
3: Carson, not everyone, I think, uh, it's good to see you, Mr. Secretary, by the way. It's you been too. a while. Uh, but not everyone's aware of the problem and, and aware of the solution. Can you uh, quickly just go into what, what happened after the financial crisis? Who's now involved sure. with this? And how do we get uh, some of the big players back in?
4: Well, after the financial crisis, uh, the Department of Justice and HUD uh, began going after. Uh, many of the banks who had been engaged with uh, many of the loan practices. And uh, they were so vigorous in their pursuit of these individuals, they did get a lot of money, but they basically drove them away because in, in many cases the banks had only been involved in some very minor non-material defect uh, in the process and, and were slammed with enormous uh, you know, fines and suspensions. And... Those things were problematic and they drove our base uh, away. Almost 50% of the people who originated loans that were insured by FHA uh, were depository banks. Uh, That number is down to less than 15% now because of the way that people have fled. So we really looked at all of that and we said, uh, what can we do to fix this? So we really revised the annual eligibility certifications, the, uh, the loan limit certifications, and the defect taxonomy so that we even out things. Non-material errors are looked at very differently now. And this doesn't mean by any stretch of the imagination that we're not going to vigorously pursue fraud and people who do things intentionally. But non-material, ineffectual things, we're not going to torment people about those. We will make sure that they learn from them. You know, our servicing of the servicers is uh, much improved in the new financial uh, revision package. And uh, there are a lot of people talking about affordable housing now, you'll notice. But this is something that actually will make a difference.
3: Not everyone. I. Th- just to summarize, it, these are mostly first-time and low to moderate um, home buyer, moderate income home buyers. It, it, with only fifteen percent, less than fifteen percent of the lenders now being depository. Who, who picked up the slack, and, and was it picked up? And, and what's the problem with the, the, the uh, entities that are doing it right now, the sector?
4: Yeah. Well, you know the non-depositories. Uh have helped to fill in the gap and we love them they're wonderful people we enjoy working with them but you know we want to expand the credit pool for low and moderate income people you know the major mechanism for building wealth in this country is home ownership and doing it in a responsible way that's the key and this is all looked at in terms of sustainability. Not only do we want to put people in homes, but we want them to be able to stay in those homes so they can accumulate that wealth. So we need you know, all the people in the market, but we most definitely need the depository lenders to come back. Well, and they're- already, already many of them have contacted us uh, about getting training uh, for this also more training for the condo you know the condo rule came out very right. recently too these are things that will make a difference for low income people
3: the um, the non-depository institutions are not regulated as highly have there been more problems with with these lenders or and how many do you expect to get back to 45%, 50% where uh, that would be more highly regulated in the, uh, the banks themselves. Do you expect to get back there after this, or it's, a slow, it's slow going?
4: I suspect things will, will normalize uh, once we uh, once again establish a normal environment uh, for people to work in. You know, we, we live in a society where, you know, market forces rule. And market forces mean that people look at the things that are advantageous to them, and things that are not advantageous to them, and they act accordingly. So I think we'll get back to a very good place very quickly. But, again, I do want to emphasize, you know, we, we love the non-depository lenders, too, but we want to normalize the market once again.
3: All right. Well, good luck, uh, Mr. Secretary. This, uh, come back and update us um, on, on the progress here and, and other things you're working on. It's been a while, as I said, and we hope to see you again too. soon. Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Coming up on Squawk Pod, we had so much good stuff on Friday's Squawk Box, we have some leftovers. Another very lively tax debate with Republican Congressman Kevin Brady, the man crucial to the 2017 tax bill, and Congressman Josh Gottheimer, a New Jersey Democrat on the Financial Services Committee.
6: I'm so confused right now. You're the Democrat?
3: We yes. can't afford it. that's the Republicans. Andrew, are you
7: confused?
6: I'm not confused. I get what's happening here. Are you, really? Everybody's representing their own interests.
7: We're back after this.
0: Welcome back to SquawkPod. The final story on today's podcast, yet another tax debate. If you listen to Squawk Pod at least a little regularly, you know that we love a good tax discussion. And today is no exception. What you're about to hear is from Friday's show, and it's so lively, it survived to the weekend. Here's Andrew.
6: We're almost two years into the president's new tax law, and while Republicans continue to tout the president's policy, some Democrats in high-tax states are feeling the salt being rubbed in their wounds right now. Ways and Means Ranking Member, Texas Congressman Kevin Brady's here, also New Jersey Congressman and Financial Services Committee, uh, Josh Gottheimer is here as well, so thank you for both thank for you. being here. Let's talk about the salt issue, because you're living it. You're, li- you're living it, with it. It's killing us. And, and you think it's killing us, and, and, and this was your creation.
1: So it what was, are we going to do? because it's the state and local taxes that are killing people in New Jersey. By the way, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, the high-tax state, these are fantastic states, great economy. But they are brutally taxed, and, uh, and repealing these taxes would be a huge giveaway. About half of it goes to millionaire households, Josh's district, average family four. Got a tax cut of five thousand seven hundred dollars. That helps. What, Wait, them? Now so, you so don't, so don't like mi- now so. you don't
3: like millionaires either.
1: No, I like millionaires. This tax break was focused on middle class families <laughs> so, so, and raising them. No, and and now and, and, you okay, do and like
4: I, Listen, and
2: I appreciate Kevin's work on this, and also this like the reduction, and, and, re- and of course the reduction of taxes for businesses of all sizes. I think that was a good step. The concern is for states like mine. In my district, everyone's taxes went up. So the problem is, you know, other places maybe got a break. All I know is in my district, people are people really feeling it? Home values are way down. I have number, New Jersey, number one out migration state. Of course, we can do more to get our, get our taxes down in Jersey. I'm a big believer in that, but here's the problem. We're taking—Jersey is taking care of other states right now. We're literally paying, paying their bills, these moocher states, which I talk about. We're lifting them all up, and the problem—now we're lifting them up even more. That's my, my base issue. If these states want to say, listen, we're not going to take a dime more than we put into the kitty, that's fine, and we can make that deal. But right now, what the problem is we're paying for all these moocher states, and that's my fundamental you said problem. You you
3: guys weren't going to argue.
1: I love I know it. We we're not. Well, we're, okay. we're getting along. Tex- we're just Texas is a donor state. We have Texas high property is a donor state, but there are a lot well, of states
6: that are mooching. But,
1: yeah, uh, yes, but I'll tell you what, it's not because of the tax cut. Look, 80% of New Jerseyans got a tax cut, just like in New York. Um, Texas has high property taxes. The difference is our, our whole tax approach is designed to attract jobs and, and, and uh, attract people. New Jersey brutally taxes. It's, and, and Josh, look, you don't do the taxes in, in your state, but you have the worst property taxes in the world, based on the highest rates in your governor after the SALT was in place. Raise taxes on families and businesses, and wants to do more. And, and Can I you imagine what agree, he does? I, cer- I certainly didn't agree with that. If salt's repealed, I
2: certainly didn't agree with that. But here's the deal: Mississippi and Alabama. Right? Mississippi takes four dollars and thirty-eight cents for every dollar they pay. Their budgets—they start their budgets. Ask their legislators. They start and say, "What are we getting from the federal government that's here to help pay pay our way?" That's where they start, and then they expect us to just write them a check every year. So what if we just did this crazy idea? What do you think about this? They don't take a nickel more than they pay in. And one, you know, that seems like a very a, a and let's basic, do this. basic let's idea. Let's equalize
1: Medicaid. New York, New Jersey Medicaid dollars are about five times more than what they are in Texas. Let's let's even all of this stuff. Or we can do this: everyone pays their own taxes. That's what we did in tax reform. We essentially said we don't care where you live or where how your government's taxed. You're just going to pay your taxes. Some of the state is not going to. So, New Jersey governor wants to raise taxes on families. A single mom in New Jersey who doesn't itemize shouldn't pay for what about the it. Base, nor should like, a single mom in, in New York or in, in Iowa pay for
2: it. Kevin, just so the double taxation idea that we're getting whacked twice. I mean, my concern is that we just, we're paying taxes twice on the same income. So if Jersey wants to do what they want to do, we just shouldn't get hit twice for it. Okay, but you're not. I'm going
6: to push back on that because I imagine you, you, you probably believe in— I don't know if you believe in raising—not carried, uh, carried interest, but, well, carried interest, but uh, uh, capital gains. Um, I don't, I don't think where, we should be, be raising any taxes right now. Okay, oh, I'm so confused right now. You're, so, you're the Democrat. We yes. can't afford it. You're, you're the because, Republican that yes, hates sir. millionaires.
3: No, <laughs> I don't. And one that loves millionaires. No, no, no we I just do not create
6: this tax break for millionaires. That's Andrew, all. Andrew, are you confused? I'm not confused. I get what's happening here. Really? Everybody's representing their own interests. That's what's the, the really salt, happening here. The salt Gross. thing well, is, is
3: so that no, the sort of is the salt of thing the salt of thing is the salt really hits you in, in New Jersey. It's not the 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 not the people that you're talking no, about. No, no, it's, of course. It's, quarter of a million. No. No, if you it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, if
2: you actually look at it, every county in my district pays over every county over ten thousand dollars in salt, right? The average is so they're getting, so they're all getting, they're all well, it's an expensive place to but live. Let's just get rid of the pretenses but here. She's still Forget got about $5, the $5, philosophical tax views tax here. here. Yeah.
6: Everyone's saying they have a philosophical view. I would make the case that you have a view that maybe it's philosophical, maybe it's not, that, but that this tax plan benefits your state. And I believe that your view of how you want the tax policy to be, politics are local. Yours, that's what we're talking well, that's about. That's our here. job, right? Can, we're representatives. That is our job. No, but no, that, but it's not right. anything more yeah. than that. It's not an ideological... No, I,
1: look, Andrew, I disagree. disagree. This wasn't about blue versus red states at all. Oh, this is oh, about economic on. growth in the big way. Look, Josh just made the point. Their property taxes are over 10000 that ten thousand figure is double yes. the national average. It is. so. These are states that are brutal taxing states, and I think jobs. Because well, the cost of living me, is very high, can, right? So. because in part your taxes are so high, and I think you would agree with me, the state legislature and the governor's of other cities ought to be lowering those
3: taxes. But Josh, you,
1: uh, you want lower?
2: I, I agree. I think we should do whatever we can. You're in- crazy. T- you,
3: you want lower taxes for your wealthy constituents. The entire platform of every nominee in your party in this election is higher taxes for wealthy people. You Are you not you, on board? No, if you live here, your cost you, of
2: living. If you live here, your cost of living is higher. So what seems like a higher number in Texas, parts of Texas or Mississippi, or Alabama, you don't want just doesn't go to as far. Do people pay more in taxes? I, I want to make sure that people can afford to live where right. in, my, in my district, and that's uh, what I care about. No, but I'm not, I'm not for, I don't just think we should just reflexively. What like about I don't support it. Do you have a
3: nominee that uh, you want support. someone else? Do you want Bloomberg? I, I, I don't, <laughs> no, no. I, I just, I don't support. you want Hillary to run against I, so she can win again? <laughs> I
2: don't support raising taxes. I guess that's the you bottom don't, line. Okay, yeah. so
6: here, what I was going to yeah. say is I just did an interview with George Soros for uh, oh a column God. about it. I know that's like a dog whistle for you. Whoa.
3: <laughs> well, I heard, no, I heard it. I, it's not a dog. That was that, that loud and clear.
6: He said that he believes that the most, uh, that, that the candidate uh, that is uh, the most qualified is Elizabeth Warren, and then went on to say that he supports taxing the rich and a wealth tax. What, what do you make of that?
2: I, I don't think that's, I do not believe that the a answer. A right, supporter of your party. I don't believe the answer right now is to raise taxes on folks. And my, right now, in my, to your point, right. in my district, in my state, where we have a huge out migration, where costs are too high, the answer has to be to cut taxes, to get spending under control. I think we've got to look at our deficits. You know, the tax plan added, the, the tax like yes. plan added $2 trillion to deficit. GDP growth isn't where it should be and where, where we thought it was going to be. So I'm concerned about long-term viability. And I, the idea of just whacking people more with higher taxes okay, is not our to the to so the deficit issue.
1: Repealing the salt adds $600 billion to the deficit. You can't talk about doing one and talk about the other. It, it adds $600 billion. We use those dollars to
6: lower taxes on working families. We did, in my belief, the right thing. We did so many interviews probably two or three years ago when all of this was being put together. And we would ask you very straight up, is this going to pay for itself? And you very straight up would say yes. So what I said
1: was over time, we believe, and I think we'll know your seven, eight, nine, we'll have the true picture of how much of that that we recouped. I, I believe there's a very good
3: chance we do that. If the revenue but it's is, is above where it was... It you is above. percent that I mean, You don't percent think that above. that means that you've cut taxes, but the revenue is still above? You don't see how that sort of could be implied. Well, well, that look at our other guests. We're just one-tenth of projected growth right now. Listen, if
4: it works out, pro- that's projected great. Growth, but, but
2: Kevin, one thing I'd say no is we can about. fully reinstate salt. I'll show you a plan. I'm going to sit down with you and show you my legislation, which does it, without actually adding to the deficit. It's hard for me to argue. I live in New Jersey. And hard for me to no, argue Look, we know
1: there is impact. Look, we're not... I, I,
3: I No, I'm actually not okay not with it because all. I that, think that the profligate spending
6: of New York and New Jersey you, you deserve this. <laughs> what do you think high salt states like New York, like New Jersey should do? It, yeah. Assuming that nothing changes, everything's gonna have to happen. You're gonna
2: obviously have to get costs down to make sure that you can still provide the services you need, but you're gonna have to gonna really take a very, very hard look at it, right? And and make some decisions that are tough decisions, right? I don't you know these are tough decisions the state legislatures need to make. But I think we have to keep, actually, I believe we're going to get more salt back. Like, so I, I, I think we're going to work this out, because I think there are certain extenders that, that the Republicans want. I think we can make it. What, what are, I think where like, I, make where it is, it, is it there a
6: middle it. here? I have not heard
1: about yeah, the middle. I, I don't think that, respectfully, don't think that's the case. I do think these high-tech states have got to make a decision. Um, they've been losing, New York's been losing $100 billion of wealth over the last 20 years, lost 1,100 millionaires the year before tax reform. I think these states fundamentally have to change the way they tax. And millennials are fleeing New York, New Jersey, California, Illinois. They love living in those states. They just can't afford it anymore. exactly. I I think you're going to have to
2: change. And and listen, I agree we've got to get costs down. The salt issue killed us, and it totally stuck it to certain states. That's my fundamental issue. I know know we disagree on this. So why don't we go back. Here's what I think we need to do. I think we need to really look at... What's going to all these moochers states? Take a fundamental look at that. Try to get the reliance of some of these other states on Jersey down and New York. And then your, your we Your party you know, part wants to
3: go to socialism and you don't like moochers. I don't understand <laughs> who you are. But that's you. <laughs> but that's <laughs> how long you've Come been on, in Washington. That's
2: not all our party. You know that, Joe. Come on. Kevin is a very good man. And I, I think. We're, oh, they, now. The, no. No, no, no. Oh, the good like, like, I would write back yeah. at you. Because, because it just, actually, it's okay to disagree about yeah. ideas. This is how you should have a discussion. You not like? You shouldn't scream you? at each other. What about social? I don't. Uh, you can keep promoting this this <laughs> agenda of yours. I'm against that. Okay. You know, Congressman. Thank you. I just watched You're the debate. I, I, I learned everything. Don't call us all debate. the same. You know.
0: <laughs> That's the show for today. On our rundown tomorrow, Beyond Meat is one of the year's hottest IPOs. The stock has surged 300 percent since it went public in April. But are the meatless burgers actually profitable? The CEO will join us. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern.
3: I just can't believe that a headline in the journal is Popeyes is bringing back a spicy chicken sandwich one it, of the it, headlines
5: it, it's a headline in the 10 we, point, we gotta video. get one of these
3: I mean if it deserves to be if it's good a headline good luck it's impossible to get a stupid spicy chicken <laughs> sandwich yes. from
0: Popeyes to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you like what you hear please rate and review us that will help other listeners find Squawk Pod we'll meet you back here tomorrow
1: we are clear thanks guys